Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is August 29th, 2016, and this is episode 178. If you're listening to the show right now, you're most likely doing it at our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find this podcast on Baltimore Sports Report at the Baltimore Sports Report Network, baltimoresportsreport.com. Also, we're over at baseballtalkradio.com. You can also listen to the show on some third-party platforms such as Google Play Music and iTunes, and please rate and review the show if you're doing so. We'd really appreciate it. Lastly, you can find us all over social media, on Facebook, on Snapchat, on Instagram, but the best place to reach us is over at Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that, Scott, it's the most important part of the podcast. What is your drink of the week? Jake, I am low in the reserves right now, but I'm drinking a Flying Dog Fever Dream Mango Habanero IPA. We're running that awkward season of transitioning between summer and fall. When fall happens, I break out the beer selection because you always have a greater choice, in my opinion, than you do during summertime. I'm looking forward to fall. I'm looking forward to October where I can be drinking some really good beers. I think I should be buying the liquor store out of anything with grapefruit because it's all about to be replaced by pumpkin. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't do the pumpkin. Don't do the pumpkin. No. No. Uh, you talked about low stores. <laughs> I have a single uh, loose cannon left, and it is surrounded by Bud Light, so it's uh, troubling times in the kingdom indeed. Wow. Dark times. All right. Dark if you're times. interested in what we're drinking, you can find us on, t- on Untapped. Please friend us. Let us know what's up. I'm at Jake E 4025 You can find me at MAGN806. And with that, I think it's time. Scotty, let's take a trip over to the medical wing. Wait for it. <laughs> All right, Scotty, the uh, the medical wing is it's full this week. It's chock full. What do we have? Adam Jones hamstring, considered day-to-day, might have played Sunday, was talked about going in tonight to play, but um, let's just say the Orioles are a little cautious after basically letting him play and then injuring it further. So I guess we'll see what happens. Um yeah, it's 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 been hard not to see Adam Jones in the lineup and see Nolan Reimold out there in center field. And could not be a worse time to be without Adam Jones. Yeah. Uh, Steve Pierce, um, who actually was playing in Sunday's game, 
Uh, apparently tweaked his elbow again and his uh, forearm, so that's something to watch. Well, they ran on him. He made the throw. He got the out, and he apparently tweaked it in a check swing in a subsequent at-bat. But I yeah. wonder if the throw was a factor. I, you never know with these things, but you would think that probably is. The, I mean, that's what he originally came out and said. Hey, you know, this injury has been happening to me through the season when I started throwing more from the outfield. So it's I, almost like Steve Pierce isn't an outfielder. Well— I think that he's at least an average corner outfielder. I think that that's probably the last we see him in the outfield. I think that means either Chris Davis in right field or Steve Pierce at DH and Trumbo in right field. Yeah, the one biggest news was Chris Tillman with his shoulder injury. Did some activities today, started throwing for the first time since going on the DL. A good sign, but let's not get overly blown. I mean, Chris Tillman could come out with a sore shoulder and throw two-plus innings, and... Uh, Came out after the game and said, you know, everything felt great. You know, I think I'm going to be fine. And then hit the eventual DL. So um, Buck may mention that he might be back September 9th or 10th, which is about three weeks. Sounds about right if it actually is just a a strain. If it's anything more than that, then uh, Chris Toma is out for the rest of the season. And uh, probably for a portion of 2017. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Last one, Jake. You want to take it? Yeah, it's uh, Darren O'Day. Oh, yeah. He's, been on, he's been on here a lot. Darren O'Day could not get back any sooner. We're going to talk a little bit about the domino effect, but this is a key point for the Orioles season, and they're without three guys, Jones, O'Day, and right now Tillman. That could really help them in this home stretch. Yeah. All right, want to go to 140 characters or less? This week on the Twitters, Scott, I think this tweet was po- pointed directly at you. I think so, too. This comes from our friends at Camden Chat. Hadn't sunk in for me how dire things are for the Orioles until I saw people openly wondering if the Orioles should slash will trade for Urban Santana. Now, so this is probably, you, you think it was a subtweet in regards to the poll that I put up saying, should the Orioles go out and trade for Urban Santana? I'm not saying that's what I think it is. No, I am. I'm saying that's what I think it is. What I think I'm trying to say here is trouble, 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 trouble. That is not a good sign. But when we are... When we are looking longingly at Irving Santana, we we do have trouble. Yeah. All right. Next tweet comes from um, Eve Stein. You can follow um, them at Lidl Seaster. Um, I think this has actually been a recurring twat. Uh, so this is at Bird's Eye View BAL, taking the train down for Tuesday's game, then overnight back up to work in Boston for Wednesday. Hashtag devoted. Hashtag love demos. This is the kind of dedication that we like to see from Birdland. So... Eve Stein, we salute you. Thank you so much for coming down to Berlin. And thank you so much for surviving up in the New England atmosphere and having to deal with Yankees and Red Sox fans. Man, she must be getting a heck of a giveaway to show up to that ball game. Yes. The next tweet is one, frankly, I never thought I'd say again. We got a tweet that we saw from seductive Tommy Hunter. Ooh. You mean but seductive Michael Givens? No, 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 no. This is seductive Tommy Hunter. And it is just a, it's a screenshot. I'm going to do my best with it. It's the scene uh, of Tommy Hunter from the celebration after Clinchmas on the field where he's got about 40 Bud Lights in his hand, like a kid at Christmas. That's from Clinchmas, yeah. 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 And, uh, and the, the bottom text is from uh, the LeBron cover and says, I'm coming home by Tommy Hunter. The seductive round mound of zone pound explains why he's returning to Baltimore. That's well done. First of all, that's well done on so many levels. I'm delighted to see seductive Tommy Hunter back because I thought the dark, seductive Michael Givens era was 
it, it, I had a hard time getting on board. But the best part is the Baltimoreans reference, the round mound of zone yeah. pound. That brought a tear to my eye. All right, last tweet. Um, well, this goes into the category of, oh, well, this is wonderful. Uh, this goes to at Matt Kremenser, who posted at 2.28 a.m. on August 27th. Again, dark thoughts at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Anyone worried about Miley, Baldo, Gardo, Troyoka, apparently set to face the Blue Jays in the next week's series? Nah, me neither. It has some really dark thoughts, Matt, at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, um, yeah, try to wait till like the morning time for the t- to post that. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can't go to bed after that. There's no. there's no going to bed after that. Well, we appreciate the tweets. Keep up the good tweets, uh, Birdland. We, it, it fuels us. And I know that it's getting harder. And it's not just the fans that are having a hard time making it through. It's getting a little rough on everybody. Well, folks, here we are. The Orioles have 32 games remaining in their 2016 regular season campaign entering into Monday night. Currently, they sit at 71-59, and 59, 12 games over 500. They're currently in third place in the AL East, three games behind the Blue Jays, and a game behind the Red Sox for second place. And they currently hold the second wild card spot, conveniently held by the Boston Red Sox with five teams within three and a half games. To say it is clustered is an understatement. Simply put, the Orioles are in the race, but the question remains after looking at the plethora of injuries that we covered in the medical wing, how much tread is really left on the tires for the Baltimore Orioles? Look, ever since the second half started, the Orioles have looked like a team that has been fading. Um, if you look at some of the records they posted for July and August so far, below 500 records, uh, other concerns would be um, their starting pitching and their bullpen all of a sudden falling apart. And the injuries. Uh, yes, the injuries. Well, these are troubling times for the kingdom. A team that was once among the best has not played itself into a good position to get into the postseason. So, Jake, I think we should just go ahead and regroup. We've got one month ahead of us. I think we need to figure out and say, okay, let's stretch back out. Let's get ready for the final final stretch of this marathon and let's figure out what do we need to do with what's left in front of us does that sound like a plan that's that sounds like a worthwhile discussion okay so we've had a few teams that have bested us the second half the toronto blue jays the most notorious one uh, who have basically climbed and clawed from third place back into first place Um, and then the boston red sox who have kind of been similar to the Orioles is the best way to describe it, have never been able to leapfrog into the first place position really for a a long period of time. Um, But at the same point, have never fallen out of the race, never been more than maybe a a game or two behind the AL They've never been dead, yeah. Um, And and then you've got a plethora of wildcard teams that all of a sudden have snuck up on the Orioles. And this includes the Detroit Tigers, the Houston Astros, the Kansas City Royals, which is unbelievable um, to see them put together the streak that they have. Uh, the Seattle Mariners and the New York Yankees, which uh, is devil magic. Galore. The new New York Yankees, yeah. by the way. Uh, and you, if you look at the rest of the schedule, the remaining uh, is basically almost all against the Elias. There's a few ones in there 
where the Orioles will be going against the Detroit Tigers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. But the majority is going to come down to who can survive in the AL East, and whoever survives in the AL East looks like they're going to get a wild card spot. Yeah. So, by the way, I, I just want to say, yeah, I don't think the Houston Astros snuck up on the Orioles. I think the Astros pummeled their way into the discussion, and the Orioles were at the brunt of it. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Not that I'm bitter or hurt. Yeah. None of that. Um, so let's talk about the Treadland Tires. The one thing that I think is really the straw that broke the camel's back to a certain regard is the personnel breakdown. So we've had injuries from Chris Tillman, Adam Jones, Steve Pierce, Darren O'Day, and there's also talk about maybe Dylan Bundy starting to lose velocity, lose command, and maybe not be the pitcher he was when he first came up and was starting again. And and even if that is not the case, and I, I don't know that it is, he's still being, you know, effective. How much how many innings does he have left in the shoulder? You know, at what point do they say, look, he's gonna pitch the rest of the the season, or do they look at it and they say, Yeesh, maybe we should scale back on him so that we have him for next year. I, I don't know, one way or the other, but I don't think the Orioles know either. <laughs> everything before the season looked like, hey, we're going to have to be careful with this guy. And right now, I would say they're not. All right. So Dylan Bunny has pitched 85 innings so far this season. Yep. That's a pretty significant number for a pitcher that really hasn't pitched a full year. And hasn't managed to keep his arm together for a full year. Right. So I, I can't imagine that Dylan Bundy can get go more, more much more than 30 innings. And I think that's pushing it. From here on out? From, from here on out. I think that's pushing it, too. I, I think they're going to push it. I think they're going to push it. But I think that's a dangerous game to play. But again, I think the Orioles have to do it because they're just looking and saying, we've got no other choice. And in reality, what else do they have to lose besides, oh, another pitcher going down? And the Orioles are frequently knowing about pitchers getting injured and um, and losing prospects in the process. But yeah, the, the Orioles have no other choice because there is nobody else. The cupboard is bare. And um, what well, we just talked about it, if you're going to have to turn to Irvin Santana, you know how deep and dire the situation is. Or if you lack the organizational uh, wealth to acquire an Irving Santana, you know how dire right. it is. And I think that comes back to point number two, where the tread of the tire has, has been exposed. And that's the consistency. I feel like in previous seasons, we've talked about the Norfolk shuttle being such an invaluable part of the Orioles construction and their ability to basically move and optimize the roster to prevent negative war players. But this year, I don't feel like they're doing that at all. I feel like they're just using the Norfolk shuttle to basically get day in and day out and just try to get through the entire season. Yeah. And and here's the thing, you know, when the Orioles have had uh, a poor performance from somebody in the bullpen, they usually bring up a fresh arm they squeeze amazing value out of that person for a very short period of time and then just run through somebody else when that person is all used up. They haven't had those effective arms to bring up. That That is the difference between this team and 2012 through 2015. Correct. So, I mean, not having those ability to bring those effective arms up um, has been a killer. Or arms that may have been effective in the past in previous years, such as an Oliver Drake, have been so exposed at this point that it's nothing new. It's similar to the Mike Wright effect, which I would call last season, where Mike Wright came up, had two really good starts. Sure. But we kept looking at his stuff and being like, yeah, he doesn't have the stuff to be a really good pitcher. And people lambasted us is the best way to describe it and said, you know what you're talking about? Mike Wright is the next future starter. He's better than Kevin Gossman. 
but you could just look at his stuff and you just say it's not there and the scouting reports indicate that it's not there so even though you had two really good start starts it wasn't the case and this just comes back to dan duquette will sit in front of the fans and talk about well you need to not rely on you know what keith law says or the rankings say about the minor league system we've got a great minor league system out there i mean look how many pitchers we're bringing up and utilizing as part of our roster on a day in and day out basis that doesn't mean you've got a good background and a good farm system. That just means that you're relying on a bunch of quadruple A players that are not really that good. I hate to mention it, but take, for example, the Yankees. The Yankees got rid of some aging veterans, and by doing so, they went younger. And by going younger, they've actually seen a resurgence um, in it. Now, I don't think that resurgence is going to continue for the entire rest of the season. If it did, it'd be a miraculous story. But I think that's eventually going that 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 song is going to eventually going to end in the next week or two. But again, it does show the value of young players, and the Orioles really don't have those young players that are cheap as well. And it's why payroll is also as high as it is. And the thing is, is if you're not going to go out and buy excellence, and and nobody can go out and you, buy excellence, you can't buy it all you, unless you're the Dodgers. But you also have to be able to then buy, find the diamonds in the rough. Yeah. And I feel like this is the first year of the Duquette era where he's failed to do so. I, I would argue in a few regards to this. I think he has found diamonds in the rough because I don't want to throw Dan Duquette completely on the bus, which a lot of fans have this week. Dan Duquette did go out and make some great moves this offseason. He went out and got Hunsu Kim, who Buck Walter was not a big fan of. Um, or, or half the fans in the park on opening day. Correct. So Dan Duquette did go out and get Hunsu Kim, who has been an impeccable addition to the Orioles, and I'm looking forward to seeing what his second year of him will be in 2017. He also went out and traded for Mark Trumbo, who, again, without Mark Trumbo... What's he done? Yeah, without Mark Trumbo, this team is not a playoff team or even a potential playoff team. So Mark Trumbo and Hunsu Kim are two major acquisitions. Now, you can look at other things that Dan Duquette has done, and you can hold him accountable, but there are two positives right there that you have to give Dan Duquette credit for. Plus, I'll say Joey Rickard was a solid pickup. Jerry Rickard was a solid pickup, too. Not sure that was so much Dan, maybe more Brady, but Dan has to be the one that finally pulls that trigger. But again, the entire bullpen and the lack of depth on the 40-man has really been killing him. Let's come back to the Jones being injured. Jones being injured and having no center field depth at all in the minor leagues and having to go to Julio Baborn and Nolan Reimold in center field just tells you how pathetic the minor league system is. And again, the Orioles have been very fortunate in terms of injuries in past years, even with the Manny Machado injury, they were able to get by because he was able to play for a majority of the season. But this year, at the peak time when they have to basically winning games, uh, they don't have the players to come in and fill in for their star players. I'm going to say something now about Adam Jones. Sure. Adam Jones, I miss you. I miss watching you play. And so I'm making a commitment right now. Oh. I'm making a pledge, Scott Magnus. Pledge. As I listen to baseball games when he returns, because, again, my cable is no more. As I listen to baseball games, and he swings wildly at a pitch in the dirt, low and away, or he swings at the first pitch, I will give him the first 10 instances of my frustration without saying, tweeting, or or uttering at all anything negative. Because it could be a lot worse. Because it could be a lot, lot worse. Yeah. It's almost like Adam Jones is a above-average player. Don't tell people that when he's uh, when he's having a frustrating at bat. Right. All right. So we've covered some of the some of the issues that they have, which are basically breaking the camel's back, as it were, for the Orioles. 
But in all honesty, the Orioles are still in a pretty decent position. The last I looked at it coming into Monday's game, the Orioles had like a 44% chance to get into the playoffs, according to the Fangrass playoffs odds. So the question is, what needs to happen from here on out to reach the goal of getting to the playoffs? And there's two different ways the Orioles can get to the playoffs. One is by winning the division. And the other and, is dark magic. And the other one is through the wild card. Oh, okay, um, that one too. So in, in my opinion, in order to win the division, I think the Orioles are going to need to win at least 93 games. Which means that in order to achieve that, they would have to get a twenty-two and ten record, which seems difficult. I feel like the early season Orioles could have mustered that. The early season Orioles maybe could have mustered that, but I think twenty-two and ten is an ambitious goal. Um, you look at it and you say, "Oh, the Orioles are only three games out, but they're behind the Red Sox, and they have to kind of catch up with the Blue Jays." Is it possible playing as many games as they are against the LA East? Absolutely. Do I think they're going to go 22 and 10? I do not. I do not think the Orioles are going to go for division. And it holds back to the point that I was making, you know, earlier this season. I really thought they were a wild card team. I still think they're a wild card team. And I think they're going to get there. Uh, I'd like to stop you right here sure. and ask you a question out of ignorance. Uh, the Orioles are going to play a lot of games against the AL East. We hope that they play them uh, well. Other AL East teams have to play other AL East teams. They got to play us. Okay, Toronto has to play us and Boston and New York. Do you think there's a chance that these teams beating up on one another will mean that 93 games won't happen from any of the four teams in contention? It's possible, but I think one of the teams is going to separate from itself, and I think one team is going to play really well, and I do think the Blue Jays are going to be that team. Okay, all right. So you think 93 games is what it takes, and you think that's probably outside of the reach of the Orioles. What does it take in your eyes to to win the wild card? All right, so I think in order to get a wild card playoff, I think it's going to require 89 games. It may require a little less than that, but I think 89 games is realistic. All right, uh, I'm going to counter you here. We're we're splitting hairs, yeah. But I always think of 86, 87 as being the second wild card. I think 87 is about as low as you can go. All right, so they've got to make it between 87 and 89 games. Yes. If it was 89, what their record have to be? 18 and 14. Okay, so four games above 500 from here on out. Correct. You're saying right. Well, based on what you've seen in August, yeah, and with everything that you know about September, yeah. and what I mean by that is, you know, Buckshaw Walter calls it a different season than the regular season. The rosters are different. The you know everything is different. Is this team a plus five hundred team? I think it's manageable, and I think it requires Chris Tillman to come back, and I think it requires Darren O'Day to come back. And I think if both of those players come back, I think the Orioles can get hot at the right times. And get some wins. Look, they're playing a lot of games against Tampa Bay. They're playing seven against Tampa Bay. They're playing four more against the um, against the Diamondbacks. Right there is eleven games that you're playing against teams that you easily could go out and win eight of three. Eight, eight, go eight and three. So there's your eight, eight wins right there. You just need to take ten more games. I think it's very possible against teams such as the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays to get ten games out of the rest. Do I think it's you know, definite now, but I think it's definitely possible. I think everything sets up for Warriors fans should be looking at wild card now and not division. Sorry okay. to be a heartbreaker, but it's the truth. I th- I think this Blue Jays series will depend on whether or not I give up on the division. Uh, you know, here the Orioles are trailing late on Monday's game, but they they you know maybe able to come back and win. If they win two out of three games, they're in good they're in a good situation. Even if they even if they salvage a single game right. this season. I think they're still within striking distance, and if they get swept, then yeah, I agree. Four it's, games is a lot, though. 
I think if they get swept, you're looking at... Oh, if, they're, if they're swept, it's, they're done for the division. If they only take one game, I still think four games is unmanageable. But it's interesting. You know, you come back to... Everyone was talking about this series coming into it and said, this is the biggest series of the season. Um, everyone says, oh, it's coming down to this. This is when the Orioles need to hit their stride. But I would raise the question, Jake. I'm not sure this is really the biggest series of the Orioles season. I think potentially coming up this weekend against the New York Yankees may be a bigger series than the Blue Jays series. I don't know. I mean, if if they don't fare well in the Blue Jays series, they're done for the division. And and if they then don't fare well in the Yankees series, yeah, then they're going to have a problem for the playoffs in general. But I think you can't get to a series like the New York series and have it be meaningful without having the Toronto series be even more meaningful. Yeah, I still think it comes back to the point that you made, which is you could win one game and you still feel like you're in it. Whereas if they go in and play the Yankees and the Yankees win that series, I feel like it really takes a lot of heart out of it because you'd be coming in and saying, all right, we just had six games at home and we only went two and four. Yeah. All right. That's that's very possible. All right. So I, I guess the point that we're making with this whole uh, whole segment is the Orioles are in rough shape in terms of um, roster construction and everything. And I think we've seen that for several weeks now. But the point of the matter is, going into September, they're still in great shape to get into the playoffs. It may not be a division win like Orioles fans were hoping for earlier this season, mm-hmm. but just getting into the playoffs in general gives them an equal chance as any other team. And I think we've seen that from other wildcard teams such as the Giants and the Royals. Just getting in October and giving yourself a chance is all you want to ask for. And ideally, it'd be nice to win a division where you don't have to just rely on one game. But, you know, being in the wild card sure beats not being in the wild card. Exactly. So, well, let me let me ask you this. And and I feel like, you know, I feel like I've I've come out two weeks in a row kind of defending the birds. And I I don't want to sound like I'm an orange Kool-Aid drinker. You know, the Orioles could very well be in trouble here. This, This could be a monumental moment for the team and they could fail to come through. And I'm not denying that. It's possible. But I also... I feel like there's a segment of the the fan population that almost gets off on saying, ah, I told you so. so. Back when we were, you know, 15, 18 games above 500, I said this team didn't have it, and here we go. Here it is. I was right. How do you live like that? How do you enjoy baseball like that? I also don't understand because we've had a few people, when I post like playoff odds like this, they're just like, well, inconsistent offense that strikes out a lot with terrible starting pitching. Um, this team isn't a playoff team. And it's like, yeah, but you guys were the same people that, you know, were posting and saying, oh, this team is a playoff team in June and posting things at the beginning of the season saying, eh, ignore Pakoda because this team's a really good team. Like, why all of a sudden, after you've seen a really bad series, are you basically jumping ship right now? Yeah. We already knew that this team was going to have a high amount of strikeouts. We actually talked about saying at the beginning of the season, we were wondering if this team was going to basically go for the MLB record in terms of strikeouts. And they haven't done that. They've been a a high power, high strikeout team, but it hasn't been as bad as what I think we all saw. We have gone through some run droughts, but realistically, every team goes through some run droughts here and there. Yeah, and I I don't know about you, but the team has wildly exceeded my own expectations for this season. Yeah. I mean, when we looked at the uh, we looked at the rotation. We picked 80 games for them to win. It was pretty bad. I picked 79. Yeah. But when you looked at at the starting rotation, you know, which at the time in, in in spring training even looked awful, they had managed to win outside of that. 
And the real problem is that the uh, the bullpen has come to roost. And, and, you know, occasionally when the hitting goes south, then they have a problem not covering that offense or not covering that rotation. You know, I just, I don't know what to say besides, you know, September is going to be really good baseball. It's going to be really compelling and exciting baseball. It, after 15 years of watching this team be completely irrelevant, if you can't get up for watching this team playing baseball that matters, I, I don't know what to do for you. I don't. You know what? We got to talk about this some more. Let's Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back. By the way, pulling the curtain back, quick break means Scott plays some music so he can drink some beer because he's tired of talking. Um, so thanks, everyone, for letting me drink some beer there for about 10 or 15 seconds so we can get right back on this thing. So, Jake, we kind of segued from that that first topic in talking about um, tread coming out the tires and where the Orioles stand for October. And then we kind of got into the whole topic of why the heck are people more excited about September baseball? Yeah, and uh, let, let me further pull the curtain back. Scott and I spent a lot of time throughout the week prepping for the show, bringing up topics, discussion points. Sometimes we'll we'll share a lot with one another. Sometimes we'll try to, to surprise one another with the, the points that we make. But I would say about 10 minutes before I drove over here to the Palatial SD Studios, uh, Scott and I started engaging in some conversations with some folks on the Twitters and then uh, a conversation that took place here once I got here about the situation of attendance in Baltimore. And I feel like it's not an issue that that we can necessarily ignore because I'm really disappointed with the attendance situation right now because this is the Orioles season that we are watching unfold before us. This Toronto, this New York series here in Baltimore, the winningest team since 2012, a team that is absolutely in the race is playing in front of a half-empty house. Yeah, and we, we talked about this actually when we did our first season of Bird's Eye View during 2012. And I remember that Chicago White Sox series with the with the Baltimore Orioles, and the Orioles were basically finally playing winning baseball in August, and we kept asking ourselves, where the heck are all the fans? Like, do the fans not understand, like, they're seeing a winning team finally, and they don't know how to respond to it? But this is a team that is the most winning team in baseball over the past few years, and folks just don't seem to seem to care really. And I know there are people that are going to point back and say, um, the weather's been absolutely horrible this season. Yeah, it's, it's a Baltimore mid-Atlantic season. I mean, it's beautiful tonight. Yeah. It, it's a beautiful night tonight. Um, it, it, it comes back to, well, the riots are happened last year. Okay. Listen, if you're going to live your life in fear to that aspect, that's absolutely ridiculous. We've been to the ball game multiple times this year. I've been down to the downtown many a times Inner Harbor fed Hill, I've parked all over um, Baltimore in the past year and never had any issue of anything. Police presence even higher than it was before, so especially with the eye in the sky as of recently. <laughs> so I, I think that's a ridiculous statement too. I honestly think it comes back to people are expecting more, and I've seen people say, well, ticket prices are too high, or unless I get a giveaway, I'm not willing to go to the baseball game, which, again... I don't understand this incentivized nation of Baltimore Orioles fans saying, I need to be given something 
in order for me to attend a baseball game. You can't tell me that the Orioles are not doing what it takes on the field to attract fans. Well, and I, and I, I would ask the question, too. Like, if you really need incentives to go to a baseball game, should the should Baltimore actually have a Major League Baseball team? Or maybe we should just go to have a minor league baseball team because minor league teams seem to do a really great job of giving promotions out for every single game. Every night of the week. They have to attract people because the product is crap. Right. The thing is, is that we had a crap product for 15 years, and the attendance was terrible, and rightly so. Right. I I sat in the ballpark with 9,000 of my closest friends watching my team get drubbed night after night after night, and it was terrible, and it was frustrating, and it was really upsetting that the only well-attended games were the ones in which the opposing fans from New York and Boston showed up to. It was embarrassing, it was tough to sit through, and it is even worse to sit through now that they are a winning club and have the same experience. It is galling to me that people say, oh, well, it co- just costs too much to go to a baseball game, and look, ridiculous. I, I don't want to speak for, I don't want to speak for anybody. But what I will say is that Baltimore, a small market MLB town, has 2.7 million people in its metropolitan area. And if we can't get up at this time in the season for a game as important as this, as it will be over the next six nights, then we've got trouble. And you know you know what? I'm married to a teacher. I know what it means for the first week of school to be a big deal. Three-fourths of my family spent their first week in school this week. But my experience is not everyone's experience. What? There are all types in Birdland. And if we can't find 30,000, 40,000 people to fill a ballpark when it matters the most, that's disappointing to me. It is. Yeah, I, I just... Look, it's not a situation where we are judging the fan base and saying, you know, you're not a loyal fan. You know, we can obviously see that the fans are looking at supporting the team in different ways. Um, They've been very active in social – fans have been very active in social media supporting the Orioles. And fans have also been really active in terms of watching and listening to ballgames both on the radio and television. But take it from us that go to, I'd say, what do you think, 15 or 16 games – it's well worth it just to say, I'm just going to go to the baseball game today and just see what happens. It's a different atmosphere and a different aura to go there and experience it as opposed to just sitting on your couch and watching it. And when I'm whining in May, that's one thing. But this is the, this is the critical moment of the season. You're going you're gonna to watch it and, and, or miss it. Yeah. And, and I feel like people are missing it. And that is, is really unfortunate to me. Yeah. And, and I think that Cannon Yards can be done so cheaply yeah. canyon yards can be so cheaply and you don't even have have to have crappy seats you know if you walk in the canyon yards you can buy a ticket for 15 dollars to most games and have a pretty good view you can have a pretty good view for 15 dollars in one of the most beautiful ballparks in all of baseball and i'm sorry but you don't have to pay a dime for parking if you don't want to you don't have to pay a dime for food if you don't want to but if your champagne tastes say that you need to sit downstairs and your champagne tastes say that you need to have a, a fewer than uh five block walk and your champagne tastes say that you need to have a ten dollar beer with your baseball game that's not my problem and it's not the orioles problem right again i can easily go to the baseball game in fact i'm already going plan to go baseball game this week um and i'm going to be packing myself a, a sandwich and putting it into uh, my backpack, and I'm going to put a Gatorade into my in my backpack, and I'm going to go buy a ticket for about $12, uh, and then I'm going to go to a baseball game, and I'm going to sit there for three hours, and basically, if I only paid $12. 
I mean, how can you beat that? I mean, that's a lunch for me, just going out at lunchtime uh, for work. So the the amount of stupid crap I spend money on would gall you. Yeah, and I think we're all that way. I think we're all that way. While we say things like, "Oh, it just costs too much money to go to the baseball game," so yes, I'm a little bit up on my high horse, and I apologize for that. But this is a big week for Orioles baseball, and we're missing out, Birdland. Yeah. So if you get a chance, listen, we understand it's school week. If you can't make it for school week, that's fine. But this weekend, if you get a chance, go to the Yankee series. Go out and support your team. And and don't let the yard be taken over by other fans. And the other thing is, at one point, you know, us Baltimore fans decided to not support a team and basically say they're a losing team and we're not going to go support them. And it wasn't the only reason that we lost that team. There were other reasons I'm aware of, but it was certainly um, one of the reasons. Let's not let that trend happen again to us. So, uh, look, we've ranted, we raved. I'm sure there'll be a plenty of people that yell and scream at us on Twitter after this gets posted, but bring it. Bring it. Okay, this does improve my mood. Hey, Scotty, we sucked this week. Yeah, we did. Fantasy Boss was a disaster. And and I blame myself for picking the category of wins, probability added. Uh, you picked Jonathan Scope. I picked Pedro Alvarez. And usually when we pick these guys, we're in the top echelon. Yeah. You, you and I, even when I lose, I feel good because I picked, you know, like the, the third or the second or the fifth highest on the team. This was a rough week for us. Yeah. Wins probability added. You picked Scope, who had a negative 0.1. And I picked Pedro Alvarez, who had a negative 0.04. Yeah. So technically, being closer to zero, I won, but I don't feel particularly good about that. Yeah, you you shouldn't. That's a pretty poor showing on the both of our parts. So you take the lead 10 to 8 now, but Jake, you hit a wild card this week, you realize. I didn't even know it until tonight. So you had we had one uh, wild card thing, which was a nine plus strikeout appearance, and Kevin Gossman put up nine strikeouts on Sunday's performance. So Jake, you clicked there too. So we moved to eleven to eight. All right, now this is important for a couple of reasons. Yes, uh, we're running out of season, yeah. much like the Orioles. Yes, and so if you're going to make a move, Scott, this is the time for you to make a move. And so I, I want you to think about that. Sure. As you not only select a new uh category Cardio for this, this week. week yeah but because you got burned by the wild card you get to fashion the next wild card. all right so this week i'm going to go with the simplistic weighted runs created plus for the week all right nice, I like and, it. nice and simple um and for my wild card i'm gonna go with what happened well for me last time which is going to be next order to hit a multi-home run game all right so next oriole to hit a multi-home run game ah uh, Oy um, I'm gonna go. Jeez, whiz. I'm gonna go with um, Trumbo. 
I see that was who I was going to go with too was Mark Trumbo. Uh, I'm going to have to go with Manny Machado, who I think has to eventually heat up again. Yeah, that's who I went with last time. It didn't work out for me. Neither of us uh, picked Davis. I'll bet you it's him. <laughs> it, it, it possibly could be. Um, and for Weighted Runs Created Plus, Jake, who are you going with? Uh, Weighted Runs Created Plus, I'm actually going to go with Chris Davis. All right, I'm going to go with Manny Machado as well again. And just, and just go chalk this whole way. Just hope chalk leads me in the right direction. And also, if Manny Machado doesn't stay in Fuego through September... Um, the Orioles are going to be in deep trouble for for the rest of their season. Absolutely. All right, so that covers us for Fantasy Boss. Who will own it? Let's go ahead and get into the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, oh yes, and the ugly. I'm going to start it off this week. Um, I'm going to go with my good, which is going to go to Kevin Gossman. Look, Kevin Gossman had a great week, uh, and getting that Sunday elusive road victory was huge for this team. I think Birdland would have collectively collapsed if they would have been swept by the New York Yankees. A huge win for Kevin Gossman. Um, and I think what was interesting that was posted today, Kevin Gossman has leapfrogged ahead of Chris Tillman in terms of ERA, K per nine, and walks per nine. Um, is Kevin Gossman the ace of this team now? No, because he doesn't have enough wins. Ah, yes. That was what I tweeted. That's right. All right. So, Jake, who was your good for the week? My good is Chris Davis. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. What? He was my good last week. I can hear you saying, Birdland, what's going on here? Well, Chris Davis struck out in nine of his 28 plate appearances, which is an unseemly 32.1%. But what he did with the rest of his plate appearances counts too. Two singles, two doubles, six home runs, two uh, walks, a hit by pitch, five RBI in total. That's good for a 442 Woba, a 181 weighted runs created plus. The second highest uh, uh, wins probability added, by the way, with a 0.34. Let's take a look at this guy. We paid for that 53 home run year, and we're never getting it back. But does this market bear $161 million over eight years for someone who will, on the regular, we hope, hit 30 home runs and be in a two and a half to three war area? I'm not saying yes, that was a good investment. I wouldn't have signed Chris Davis. I'm glad he's back as a fan, but if I was a GM, I wouldn't have pulled the trigger. But Having said that, I think that Chris Davis is a player much like Adam Jones, where it's ugly to watch on a day-in and day-out basis. But when you stand back and look at the end of the season, you're satisfied with what you got at the end of the year. So this week contributed to that, and that's why he's part of my good. All right. Uh, my bad's going to go to TJ McFarland, um, who really gave nothing after coming back from the DL and was so bad that he got designated for assignment. I'm not sure what to think about TJ McFarland. Besides, I've never thought he was a great pitcher. Jake, you try to stay up, stand up for TJ for multiple years now. And uh, thank goodness the Orioles finally cleared a roster spot for him and said, you know what? He's not even worth the effort to try to rehabilitate. I thought when they sent him down, they're going to try to maybe rehabilitate him to into like a knuckleball pitcher or something like that, but no, not even worth the effort for that. So clear a 40 man spot and uh, 
give it over to good old Tommy Hunter. Appreciate that. Best thing TJ McFarlane could do. All right. My bad for this week is Parker Bridwell. And look, I'm not dogging the guy, but he's not ready for major league hitting. Orioles fans always tend to overvalue what we have in the minors, and maybe he'll never have what it takes. But the point is that Parker Bridwell was brought up to give this team innings, to stop the gaping wound in the bullpen, and instead he's back in the minors. He's not ugly. That's too harsh. But there were much better candidates for ugly this week, let me tell you. So for this week, he's bad. All right, my ugly for the week is going to go to Jay. Jay. Hardy. Say it ain't so. Who's posted a miserable negative 31 rating, one straight plus in 26 plate appearances. Look, I feel like J.J. has been exposed this week by him moving all around the lineup. Keep J.J. Hardy in the eighth or ninth hole and just take the production when you get it, but don't expect too much from him. At best, he's an 80 rated runs created plus. If he gets above 100 for a week, awesome. You ride it out, but you don't think it's going to happen every single week. So with that, J.J. Hardy gets my ugly for the week. Put him back in the eight or nine hole. All right. All right. All right. So my ugly. Orioles pitching. And it's not what you think. I'm not going to rail against Wade Miley or Giovanni Gallardo or even Logan Andrusic, which is one of my favorite topics. Instead, I'm going to I'm going to rail against the state of Orioles pitching up and down the 40 man roster. LJ Hose has made not one but two emergency appearances in AAA Norfolk, which means that the depth and the quality at the top level of our system is no better than a AAA reserve outfielder. And that's a problem for a team that made little or no effort to address uh, address its lackluster starting rotation to not have any viable options to come up when the team needs it the most in a pennant race. That's a death knell. It's ugly. Help us, seductive Tommy Hunter. You're our only hope. All right. Well, let's go ahead and um, blow the save. I think we kind of already did a little bit, but um, well, let's come back and we'll figure something else to blow the save on. Scotty, I want to talk about Tommy Hunter. Of course you do want, you want to talk about Tommy Hunter. I love that Tommy Hunter's back. It makes no sense why everyone is so excited that Tommy Hunter is back. I don't care. I love that he's back. I totally agree with you. I'm so excited that Tommy Hunter's back. First of all, we have nothing to lose. It's, it's true. We, we, he could not be worse than the other cats that we've been throwing out like there. Like TJ McFarland. He could not be worse. Logan Andrusic. Second of all, I love Tommy Hunter. <laughs> I love him. He's a... He's a... Uh, fun kind of rotund guy <laughs> and there's no better baseball player to root for i do have a i do have a question though sure why is tommy hunter wearing 41 29 still available i think i, I think I'm, I think i'm pretty sure looking at the 25 man roster i don't see anybody else wearing 29 and so i i wonder if that was a a preference or if he was just like well crap man i'll just take whatever you got that's a good question. I, I don't quite understand that either. I'm actually going to pull it up on Baseball Reference right now and just try to figure out what's going on. So apparently Julio Borbone is currently registered to hold the number 29 uh, within the Orioles at this moment. Oh, you got to think it's a short-lived thing. He'll be back to 29 before you can say boo. I don't know if they can make that move immediately. Sure they can. Oh, sure they can. I don't know. But going back to Tommy Hunter being back in the organization, he got uh, DFA'd by a winning club in the uh, Cleveland Indian organization. So I, I get all that, that, you know, it's not all lollipops and roses. 
But Tommy Hunter didn't have an awful year either. And when you look at the dire straits that the Orioles are in, if you had to go out and get somebody, I love me some Tommy Hunter. Thank you for bringing him back, Orioles. For once, the thing that feels good, that hits me in all the feels, is a not terrible baseball move. One more stat, because we never do stats in Blowing the Save, but I'm going to do it. Particularly you. So Tommy Hunter, 22 and two-thirds innings this year, 7.15K per nine, 1.99 walks per nine, and has posted a 3.57 ERA for a .3 F war. Again, not great, but again, some moderate value. Better than Logan and Druzik. Yeah, Let's he, just say that much. He is not an absolute train wreck. Right. That's what he has going for him. And he makes me laugh. Yeah. And he makes you laugh, which is the most important thing for any Baltimore Oriole. All right. Wow. That was some show. We yeah. got a lot of ranting in. And I a may, lot of yelling. I may have done a little bloodletting. I and, apologize. And I, I guarantee there's going to be some people that are going to be really upset with us tomorrow for questioning their fanhood. It's not what it's about. But Baltimore and beyond, I love you. I love all of you. We're in this thing together. Don't don't misunderstand. Just And if you're really listening to an Oral's podcast, we're probably not talking to you. Go talk to your coworker and say, what the frick are you doing? Go to a baseball game this week. Birdland, I'm not mad. I'm just very, very disappointed. We're just holding you accountable. (laughs) With that, I got nothing left. Baltimore and beyond. I bid you a fond, and I mean fond, adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and go to baseball games. I love you, Tommy Hunter. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.